Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy basketball tools and analysis on the entire internet. Go check them out, HashtagBasketball.com. I'm your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? I was thinking about a question today. Ooh, okay. Let me let me hear it. I think that James Harden forced the Rockets to sign Tyson Chandler because of his luxurious beard, or do you think Daryl Morey signed Tyson Chandler to motivate James Harden? Because he's got to look at that other luxurious beard and be like, "Man, that's a good beard. I'm I'm jealous of that." And then he plays better because he's looking at Tyson Chandler's nice. Hmm, that's a really good question. I think it's. I think it was a PR move so we could be like, oh, we're the team of beards. Like everybody will grow a beard in the playoffs and they'll market the the playoff beard like they do in in like baseball or hockey or whatever. Uh, But then the unintended consequence was James Harden is stepping up his game to impress Tyson Chandler's beard because James Harden's been going off. Yeah, James Harden, I mean – absolutely amazing like i don't know what else you say about that guy he's absolutely crazy the bad part is he's he's not shooting well and he's still averaging 37 points a game i i just don't know i i just don't know how and it was one of those he was one of our three of guys who could finish the uh at the end of the year as the number one guy He's done it before. Like I, I don't know why people are like, screw that. You're all idiots. Is Cat and Giannis and all this stuff. Listen, Cat came off to a hot start. Cat could definitely buy for it, but uh, it's going to be really hard to beat someone who oh looks like, shoots about you know like 12 free throws a game at 89 percent and scores 36 freaking points a game and two almost two steals a game. Like you know, or stealing half at this point. But last season, two steals a game. Like it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to take that on. Because the guy just, I mean, he's he's going to put up a ton of shots. He's going to be, he's probably going to be the number one player in the league. And that's where I think we're seeing, you know, him make the biggest strides, right? He just takes so many more field goals than everybody else. I mean, the guy's shooting 24 times a game. So you mentioned it. He takes 1,000 free throws, but he's also taking 1,000 field goal attempts. I mean, last season, okay, last season for the season, he shot 1,909 field goals. The next closest person was Kemba Walker at 1684. So he shot 250 more field goals than anybody else in the league. And he's keeping that number up. And so it's so hard to even compete with him in fantasy because he's literally shooting the ball five more times a game than anyone else in the league. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. If I go to the rankings for this year right now, you know there are well actually I'm a little I'm a little surprised two four six eight nine players are shooting more than twenty shots a game. Uh, one of those players is CJ McCollum, which I never would have guessed. Andrew Wiggins is on that list, but it's like Kyrie, Bradley Beal, Dame, James Harden. But also he's shooting fifteen point three free throws a game. Only other person and- in double digits is Giannis at eleven. Last year, there was one other person that had double-digit free throws, uh, and Bede shot 10, and he shot 11. And then Giannis was at 9.5, and and then the fourth was 7.3. So he shot four more field goal attempts 
than everybody outside the top five players. And in field goal attempts, it was he was at 24 and a half. There were three other guys over 20. And then the guy who finished 10th was Kawhi Leonard at 18.8. So he shot six more field goal attempts than the guy finishing 10th. I think we got our evidence of why. Yeah, why watching the Rockets is super, super boring because you know exactly what's going to happen, even though James Harden is, you know, one of the best players in the league, the best player in the league. I think it's arguable. The dude, I, he's, the dude does stuff that really almost no player in the history of basketball has ever done. Um, so I think what we're trying to say here in our buy low, sell high week four is don't, don't buy low or sell. Actually, maybe buy low on James Harden because he's shooting only 41%. He, could, he might average 40 points a game this season, which is absolute insanity i don't think i mean he's james harden and uh i i I think when we talk about really really great players no matter how they're doing like Jokic isn't playing terribly well right now but Jokic is 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 a first round draft pick Jokic is going to be better you could buy low on him but really are you going to be able to buy low on a guy that someone spent their first round draft pick on probably not like you're not going to get the value you want there uh, I mean, I, I don't definitely, even in second round players, in my experience in leagues where guys know what they're doing, there's no buying low on a first or second round player. You're just buying that player for his value. Only way you'd be able to buy low, potentially, would be somebody like a Luka Doncic, who's proven but not super proven, right? Like we've only seen a year and, and 10 games. And you might be able to convince somebody that, you know, what he's doing right now, he's not going to keep up. But at the same time, like that player, you know, paid the premium for him. So they're probably a believer. So even in that scenario, it's super hard. And then Trey Young was maybe kind of in that same boat. Other than that, I mean, you're probably buying that player for his value. And sometimes, right, you're even paying a premium for that premium talent. And so that's something you got to, you know, balance out in your own brain. Weirdly, it's the buy low by buying high is a strategy. That's it's um, pretty close to uh, impossible to pull off, but it's it's having faith in someone like Luka Doncic and saying, "All right, I think Luka Doncic went from you know a fourth round, third round pick to a first round pick. I think he is this good. I do think he might average a triple double this year, including twenty eight points a game. I think he's going to keep this up. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see if I can get." second throw a second round pick in there and maybe some other random guy get luca from a guy who's like all right i'm selling high on luca you're tricking him into selling high when in reality he's selling him at value and that's actually the only way to buy low on those top tier players is to is either either trick them or you you either pay at value by the way you're never going to buy low you either pay at value or you kind of trick them into thinking they're selling high and uh, that's really hard to do yeah, I mean, especially on a on a guy who's you know young and improving and doing things differently this year. I mean, we don't need to get into the Luka Doncic conversation again. I don't think, but I don't think we do either. But uh, at least Luka Doncic is fun to watch play basketball. I enjoy watching him play basketball. I don't know how James Harden is averaging eight assists a game because I don't remember him passing the ball in any of the games I watched. So his passes have have little flair, a little flash, right? Like Luka Doncic throws some uh, insane, would be the word I used to describe them, passes. Like passes, you're like, Jesus, I did not see that coming. James Harden's passes are, I drove to the rim, I kick out for a three-pointer, and the guy shoots it. 
So if you're not super tuned into the game, you miss James Harden's passes because they're literally like just pass, you shoot, and that's it. And there's a little ball movement with that team, which just makes it weird. I, I don't know. Like, it's just though, it different. It's a whole different brand of basketball, Michael. A whole different brand. Certainly is. It's it's miserable. I don't want to watch it. Here's some of the players that I do want to watch. That I have been watching actually. That I'm um I'm a little excited to see uh, that they are on this buy low list because they are they, actually all three of the guys that we have on this buy low list. We might actually maybe we'll throw in an extra extra one in there are players that I liked in the preseason, except for one. But let's get to the one I did, like Chris Stapps Porzingis. Chris Stapps Porzingis currently just, you know, he's coming back from a year off, a year and a half off of basketball. He's shooting 40% and 68% from the line. So the, right away, the, the the percentages give away, are a dead giveaway of someone who's underperforming because usually those revert back to the mean. Uh, his blocks are on par. His steals are non-existent. So that's that's a little bit of a question mark. But everything else seems to be kind of in line with an older Chris Porzingis, who was a top 30, top 35 player. Chris Porzingis currently, according to hashtag basketballs, very exciting basketball rankings that you can find on hashtag basketball.com. As you can tell, I am searching for Chris Asperzingas as we speak. Number 62 on this list. Number uh, 62nd on hashtagbasketball.com's rankings. That doesn't make too much sense to me. Is If anyone thinks, uh, if, if anyone thinks Chris Asperzingas is going to finish at 62, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. He's obviously a better player than that. Tyler, you are fully all in. You're all in on the Dallas Mavericks. Tell us what we need to know about Chris Tapps and why it bodes well for him to improve as the season goes on. So weirdly, he's not making his free throws and that's been, been something I, I haven't quite figured out yet. The Mavericks have been talking a lot about, you know, figuring out better ways to use Chris Tapps. And, you know, one of the things that we've seen that I think we're going to keep seeing is Porzingis is going to shoot a ton of three pointers this year. He's averaging 6.2 a game. And, you know, he's only played nine times. He's going to sit back to backs because of the injury there. You know, they're, bringing him back um, at a measured pace from that, you know, 20 months basically of not playing basketball. He just shot one for 11 against the Celtics and was in an immense amount of foul trouble. So one of his nine games, he played 19 minutes, was one for 11 from the field and basically stunk it up before that game. So for his first eight games, he was averaging 20 points a game. He's getting more rebounds because the Mavericks are using him kind of as a, a solely as a rim protector and they're kind of putting everybody else around him on the defensive end. So the blocks are going to be there. He's going to rebound the ball more. I wouldn't be surprised if he averaged like eight, eight and a half, maybe even nine rebounds a game when he's fully back to health, he's going to shoot more three pointers. And we know Porzingis is a good three point shooter. So seeing that number get up to like two and a half a game wouldn't surprise me. And they've got to figure out a few ways to get him a couple of easier looks. Really, the whole pairing between him and Luka Doncic hasn't gone super well yet in the sense that you know, the Mavericks are much better with Luka on the floor and Korshab's off right now. I don't think that's going to stick because I think Porzingis is a really, really good player. I, I really think, too, that he just, you know, he's feeling his way back. And you can kind of tell that he's not super, super confident yet. But when he regains that confidence, this dude could be a monster. And 
I think we're seeing him get enough shot attempts to where he could average, you know, like 22, 23 points a game again, you know, in a hurry and be a top 25 player, maybe even a top 20 player by the season's end. So if you could even buy him right now for like, you know, a, a 30, 40 ranked player, I'd do that. I completely agree. I think he's definitely going to finish in the top 40, but like his uniqueness intrigues me a bit more than most of the guys in this range. I would say the blocks two and a half blocks a game, right? Like that is really, really hard to find. That is a really, really great uh, stat to have. So getting blocks on your team, fairly important, but you're getting a guy who's getting eight rebounds, two and a half blocks and over two, three pointers a game with scoring. So it's like, okay, those things don't usually come in the same package. That's a very unique player. I think those percentages go back up. How far they go up, I don't know. I even think the steals come back up, maybe not all the way to point eight, which they were the last season he actually played. But still, steals are finicky, small sample size theater, point two steals, fine. He's he's getting back into playing NBA basketball. It kind of does make sense that maybe those steals will take a little bit to come back. Maybe the shot will take a little bit to come back, even the free throws. So no, I have no problem moving, you know, any of these guys. Let me let me throw a guy out there for you, Tyler. Jaron Jackson Jr. Would you rather oh, have Jaron Jackson Jr. rest of the year? Give me Chris Stapps 100%. Just because, Ooh. you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. may literally average like 27 or 28 minutes a game this year. Give me 32 minutes of Chris Stapps over 27 minutes of Jaron Jackson. There's some weird stuff going on in Memphis with those minutes played. I do think the minutes do eventually go up for uh you know Jonas and uh Jared Jackson Jr but not like substantially. I don't see them Got playing not 30... foul to play more. That's true. But I don't see them playing like 32 33 34. No, I don't see that. I think maybe they figure it out get into the 30s, right? But you're not going to get two and a half blocks out of Jared Jackson Jr because of the foul trouble. Like he, he's not on the court due to foul trouble and he doesn't get blocks if he stays out of foul trouble. So Kristaps Porzingis is able to stay on the court and get two and a half blocks a game. So, like, that's just because he's an enormous human being. So, definitely buy low on Chris Haps Porzingis. Uh, the next guy on the list is a guy I was not terribly uh, a fan of going into the season, uh, CJ McCall. CJ, I kind of felt like, you know, the, the, that one year where CJ McCollum was shooting, what, like 48%. That was a long time ago. That was like one, two, three seasons ago. That was an outlier. His, he had incredible shooting that year. And the NBA is caught up to him. You know, three, four years ago, getting two and a half, three pointers a game was kind of a big deal. And it put you in kind of that uh, higher echelon of three point shooters. Now, half the centers in the league uh, get two three pointers a game. So who cares about your two and a half three pointers, CJ McCollum? But CJ McCollum right now is currently all the way down at 127 in hashtag basketball's rankings. And I'm, um, I guess I can't say that I'm terribly surprised that he's shooting 40% in a small sample size because over time, CJ will, you know, revert to the mean. But like, that is a positive because like, I do think he's better than 40%. Once again, he's still getting that half a block a game. He's still getting, uh, you know, almost a steal a game. His every other stat on here, other than his three point makes per game. And his field goal percentage, even his free throw percentage, are a little down. But what's not down are the counting stats and the most important stat, 37 minutes per game. 
Tyler, CJ, CJ McCollum might be, you know, in the plateaus, but I don't think he is in that, you know, waiver wire range at all. Oh, no, 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 for sure. And, and really what we're seeing is he's just missing his shots. You know, he's missing his field goals. He's missing his three-pointers. He's averaging a career high in field goal attempts. And we talk about this Blazers roster needs that scoring more than ever, right? They lost guys like Aminu and Harkless and are just not that good. I'm like, no offense to them, but just they really didn't replace those guys with much. And those guys were important contributors on their team. So, you know, now they're throwing in guys like Rodney Hood, who's, you know, not as good, and Kent Bazemore, who's just not a not, – can't score as much as some of those other guys that they lost. And so, yeah, I think we're going to see McCollum probably shoot more field goals this season. He's probably going to play a ton of minutes because Portland wants to win games and they want to be good and they need McCollum out there to be good. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think – what we could see is McCollum average, you know, 23 points a game, not by shooting 48% like he did in that 16, 17 season, but by taking 20 field goal attempts a game. And, and so, let's, you know, let's say he gets his shot back, right? Like that, that's going to be a nice bump in points. And what I, I like to see is Anthony Simmons getting uh, some time there, like getting some solid playing time. And I guess, you know, maybe you, you would think that meant less time for CJ, but it hasn't, it hasn't meant less time for CJ at all and they've been playing those three together which is an interesting you know thing to watch is you know they're kind of playing three guards because they we mentioned this they don't have any forwards they don't they don't have any forwards you know zach collins was a forward he got hurt their forwards now are scalabossier who they don't want to play a ton of minutes and mario hazonia who they don't want to play a ton of minutes and not a lot else that and if they are there they don't want to play them a super ton of minutes so you know, when you don't have any forwards, I guess you just play a lot of guards, and that's what they're doing. Uh, Anthony Tolliver is there too, and he's a solid veteran. But again, another guy who's only going to play like you know 15, 20 minutes a game. So, yeah, I, I like McCollum in the sense that I think he's going to be probably pretty close to a top fifty player just by scoring a ton of points and you know doing his normal CJ McCollum things with a few assists and a few rebounds and maybe a steal a game and half a block and, and you know, just being very solid. Yeah, there's a guy out there that um, a lot of people have picked up, uh, and there's been some buzz about. Actually, a couple guys. One's, uh, and they're both rookies. I think it, Tyler Hero's a rookie, right? Yeah, he's a rookie. And uh, Ryu Hachimura, both rookies. They're scoring good points. They're hitting some, uh, well, Hero's hitting some threes. Hachimura's not hitting any threes. Both of those guys are like poor versions of CJ McCollum. And so. Any any player that's like getting some scoring right now and hitting some threes and not doing a whole lot else, CJ McCollum actually gets three assists a game. You know, CJ McCollum gets very good blocks for a guard. Like that's super positive. You know, is Jamal Murray that much better than CJ McCollum? Not really. I think Jamal Murray is probably slightly better than CJ McCollum, but I think what you're looking at is someone who's on, looks like he's on a downtrend looks like especially if you're in a league that's all about like what people are ranked and a lot of people look at those rankings this is a good time to take cj McCollum off of somebody's hands because he's going to play he's got a good track record of being healthy he's going to play a lot of minutes and i just think uh, cj mccollum will be a, a great buy low candidate uh, the next guy on this list is a guy I did like. So CJ was the guy I really didn't like going into the, in the season, but CJ is a very good player, um, better than he is showing currently. The next player on this list is someone I did like. He's kind of like that old man, the old man favorites, right? Damar 
DeRozan. Uh, DeMar DeRozan currently ranked 86th overall in hashtag basketball's rankings. But DeMar, De, like DeMar DeRozan, add a little bit of a pause because I know he's he's definitely better than 86. His scoring's a little bit down, but his field goal percentage is up. His free throw percentage is down, but you know that should revert back to the mean, right? Everything else looks pretty similar. He's not shooting threes anymore, but he wasn't shooting threes last season either. So there's that. The one thing I'm wondering, the one thing that I'm a little, con- maybe not concerned about, the one thing I'm one w- wondering is the under five rebounds, under five assists a game, and also currently under a steal a game. Going from 0.9 steals to 1.2 steals a game is actually a big deal. That means you're going from negative in steals to positive in steals. So, you know, steals are finicky, but I think he can be over one steal a game or around one steal a game. Right now, he's actually at uh, 0.9, but he's still getting that half a block. My problem is, is he's almost five rebounds, almost five assists. And last season, he was at six and over six six assists per game. Over six rebounds per game. Is are some of those stats down due to the uh, the, the addition of uh, Murray back in the lineup, and uh, you know also White being a better uh, basketball player as well? Uh, are the Spurs changed Tyler a little bit, or do you think Demar Derozan is going to be back up into that you know five and a half assists, five and a half uh, uh, rebounds a game mark? Well, I mean, I think Murray is definitely stealing some of the rebounds. I think we've seen Murray be an exceptional rebounding guard. He's only playing 23 minutes a game, too. So I'm not sure how much more he's going to play this season, but I think him stealing rebounds from Dar DeRozan might be a real thing. He's averaging five assists, but I think there's still enough There's definitely still enough pie there for DeRozan to average six assists and to him to average five assists. So I think the assists are probably going to go back up probably in that five, five and a half range somewhere, maybe even all the way up to six. Um, you mentioned it. He's going to get probably 0.2 more steals. Like that's just what he does. 1.1 steals. He seems to be super consistent at that, at that rate, basically for the last, what, seven seasons, he's gotten that number like averaged out to that number. So that's probably a very safe bet there. And, you know, the scoring's just a little bit down because he's taking a few less shots. I think, you know, the Spurs will probably rely on him a little bit more as the season goes on, especially if they want to win games and you know they're not off to the fastest start. And that Western Conference is looking exceptionally deep like we expected. So yeah, I'd say DeMar Rose is a buy low, but I don't think he's I don't think he's playing that bad. You know, the percentages are good and the field goal percentage is probably better than it's gonna finish, right? Like I don't know he's gonna shoot 49%. I would guess he's probably gonna shoot more like 47, 48%. But I do think he's gonna take a few more field goal attempts as the season goes on. And you know, you got to remember still to everything. And this is maybe we're saying is we're a small sample size. Like, you know, a guy like DeMar DeRozan's played 10 games. That's not an exceptionally high number. And, you know, we look at, they got blown out by Boston and he only played 27 minutes. You know, that's a, a big thing. Now they crushed the warriors. He played 29 minutes and he only shot seven times because he didn't have to shoot any more than that. And so those games are, affecting the sample size a lot more than the normal game. You know what I mean? Like that when it's an 82 game or a 70 game, you know, whatever games you're going to play this season, you know, one game doesn't affect 70 games near as much as it does 10. Yeah. It's small sample size data right now. Uh, the only, I think the only concern I have here is like, well, one, I do think DeMar DeRozan finishes higher than this as he finishes high as he did last year. He finished 40 overall. I 
I don't know. I doubt it. He is, you know, what he's 30 years old. So he's not like out of his prime. He's not too old. But um, one of the, one of the telltale signs to me is always like uh, free throw attempts. And uh, he went from in Toronto doing like so, so around seven to eight. Uh, and then with the Spurs down to a little under six. And now he's at five and a half. So maybe those free throws come back up a little bit. Um, that's my uh, maybe my concern that he's not as aggressive going to the rim, blah blah blah. But I think those rebounds and assists bump up uh, a little bit due to the small sample size. I think too, you know, we saw with the Spurs the free throws went down, but the assists went up. Now, I think we saw him just play a little bit different brand of basketball, and that that was causing it to me last year more than more than anything, right? And we're kind of seeing the same thing this year is like, he kind of went more into that Spurs system and he wasn't, you know, doing some of those things in Toronto, like ISOing out and just trying to take on the whole other team and getting some free throws. Like he was a little bit in Toronto, especially when, you know, guys like Kyle Lowry were off the floor. Um, he was more in that Spurs system and that Spurs system doesn't give him near as many of those opportunities. Great. Also, DeMar DeRozan, not a sexy name. Not a sexy name, not a sexy player, but does still great things for your team. So another, you know, where the just the media, maybe not the media, but like the the uh, the social ranking of Demar Derozan is lower than his actual value. He always goes low in drafts anyway. So like you're not you're not dealing with like a high name value type of player. Let's move on to the sell high portion of week four. Tyler, one of the guys that you had on your list. A lot of these, there's a lot of guys playing way, way, way better than you would think they would. And uh, Hassan Whiteside is one of them. Now, Hassan Whiteside has gotten plenty of opportunity. Zach Collins is going to be pretty much out for the year. Nurkic uh, also out for a very, very long time. Though Nurkic will be back, what, in January? Is that right? January or February? So last thing I heard, they're expecting him to come back around the All-Star break, which is in February. I'm actually in the middle of February now. Obviously, that's a little bit of a fluid timetable, like always with injuries. A long ways away, but uh, Whiteside playing 27 minutes, 15 and 12, almost two blocks a game. And, of course, a very, very nice field goal percentage at 58%. Tyler, why is he a, a sell high for you? I think we've seen Whiteside be very up and down throughout most of his career. So he's riding high right now, and that's when I would sell him because, you know, if history has taught us anything about Hassan Whiteside, it's that, you know, he bubbles up and then he kind of goes in a hole where he doesn't block near as many shots and he gets a little finicky and doesn't, you know, shoot very well from the field for a couple games and all that stuff. You know, he's averaging 15 points. He's playing 27 minutes, which he played 23 last year. He played 25 the year before. He's playing most of that out of necessity, right? They need him to play some extra minutes because, well, they just don't really have any options, like you mentioned. So the rebounds are way up, right? 12 and a half. He's always been a good rebounder, but 12 and a half seems a bit high. Obviously, no assists or steals. There are never many assists or steals with Whiteside. So no three-pointers. He's making his free throws, which I don't expect that to, to continue. So if you have the opportunity now to sell Whiteside for a top you know, 40 or 50 player, I would do that because – you know, the free throws are going to go down, which that's going to hurt your team regardless if you're in a head-to-head or road or league. Like, free throws is still a category. So maybe you trade him for a center that can make his free throws. Maybe you just upgrade on your center spot. Like, if you're telling me I could flip Whiteside, who's hot, for Porzingis, who's not, that's a trade I'd make 10 times out of 10, right? And Whiteside's ranked in the top 20 right now, right? I think you mentioned that. So I mean, that's a deal that some guys might take if they're looking at the rankings going, man, I can get a top 20 guy for a guy in the 60s? Like, 
Hell yeah, I'll do that. Well, yeah, I think you're you're making a killing if you can make that kind of deal. Um, I think if you want to replace uh, Whiteside with a more stable big man. So Jonas Valanciunas is playing like 22, 23 minutes a game and doing a lot of the same things that Whiteside is doing. He's like maybe like 80, 70, 80% of his stats. So Jonas Valanciunas might ramp up it into 27, 28 minutes at some point in the season. Uh, he'll still be a double-double threat. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is fantastic. He's a double-double threat. So you don't need to stick with Whiteside to get that double-double, right? And if people are on Whiteside, they like his ranking, they like what he's doing, they think he can sustain it, maybe you can get Wendell Carter Jr. for Whiteside. And then maybe you could, you know, this is one thing that I like to do in some leagues where I get a little foxy and like, okay, you know, people are looking at the rankings, you know, Whiteside is currently 27th in total value on hashtag basketball's rankings. And, you know, some of that's he's only played 10 games. There's lots of guys ahead of him that have played, you know, 11 or more. So, you know, he's played 10 games. He's 27th in those rankings. Like I might go for a big man that I like that I think is going to be consistent. You know, you mentioned like a Wendell Carter Jr. And then I might get them to throw in a guard because maybe I need some assists. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, give me Wendell Carter Jr. And give me, hmm, let's see, who's a point guard that I could get maybe playing pretty good. Maybe Eric Bledsoe, maybe Lou Williams, someone like that. Absolutely. I think this is, is completely possible. So uh, Whiteside – not just not consistent enough. He's got the playing time, right? But just not too many question marks in what he could potentially be. I think if you trade him for someone of even just a little bit currently lesser value based on stats, you're going to end up getting uh, the better deal in the long term and based on the rest of the season. The next guy on our sell high list is a guy maybe maybe name recognition can't be sold high, but you could really sell anybody at the peak of their value and you're selling high. And I, I don't know how else to say it, but Luke Kennard is at the peak of his value. Tyler, he's playing 30, almost 34 minutes a game scoring 19 points a game, three, three pointers four over four assists, almost four rebounds. Now granted Luke Kennard is 23 years old. Maybe he's having a little bit of a, an up season. Maybe he's taking a little bit of a leap, Tyler. Uh, someone's going to play on that Detroit team, right? So why do you have Luke Kennard as a, as, as, as a sell high? So Luke Kennard got some unique opportunities that I don't believe he's going to get as the season progresses, right? So we had a good handful of games there where both Derrick Rose and Reggie Jackson were out. Now Reggie Jackson's still going to be out for like another three weeks, but Derrick Rose is back now. So they're not going to ask Kennard to do that playmaking, right? And then, you know, Blake Griffin just played his first game and he only played 20 minutes. You know, Blake Griffin is going to do some playmaking. Blake Griffin is going to be probably the leading scorer on the Pistons. And those, you know, the shots got to come from somewhere. Drummond's still going to be taking his. So someone who's going to lose shots is Luke Kennard. And, you know, I'm not sure Luke Kennard's even going to play 33 minutes. He might. He might. I would guess he's probably a little – that's probably a little bit high, though. I'm guessing he's probably more in that, you know, 30, 31 minute a game range. So, you know, you're talking to take a couple minutes playing time off. I don't think the assists are real. I don't really know that the rebounds are real, right? Because you're adding Griffin back in there, who's not a great rebounding big man, but a, a guy who's going to grab some boards. And, you know, Markeith Morris really wasn't doing that. So take maybe a little bit, maybe half a rebound off. You know, take off – I mean, what are the assists going to be? Like two and a half, three? Like it's definitely not going to be four. Then he doesn't give you steals or blocks. He's never really given you steals or blocks. So those aren't going to be there. And so, you know, when you're relying mostly on scoring – 
and then you're going to lose some minutes and definitely some shots. That's a big hit to your value. So yeah, if you could trade him for anybody, even in the top like 75, I would probably do it. I don't know that Luke Kennard is even a top 100 player this year. Yeah, he might sneak into that top 100. He might be taking a little bit of a, uh, just happens to get the playing time and take a little bit of a leap. But the playing time, you know, question mark, once everybody's healthy on this team, is is that playing time stay the same? It might. It certainly could. But like you're saying, does the does the field goal stay up? Do these assists and rebounds stay up with a healthy Blake Griffin? Is he going to be hitting three three pointers a game, which was which is pretty impressive? I'm gonna say probably not for all of those. But he has been a fantastic three point shooter. That is worth saying. Like he's got 551 three point attempts for his career, and he's hit them at 40 and a half percent. He's good. He's very he's very good at shooting the three, and that's kind of what he was thought he could do, right? And he's he's just playing at his peak so like that's what we're i think what we're trying to say here is like there's no chance right there's no chance that luke Kennard gets better at this point so if oh, you can sell its current value you should the pistons have played 12 games too which is the, you know, the most in the league so that's what we're saying too like if you're looking at total values right where he's kind of in that top 20 range He's played a game or two more than everybody else, you know, and the guys who've missed games, he's played, you know, three or four more games than those people. If you look at per game value on hashtag basketball.com, he's 66th. So, you know, you start talking about losing a field goal, you know, losing a minute or two, maybe not hitting your shots at such a high percentage, losing some assists, you know, that's going to tumble quickly kind of right out of that top 100 range. So that's something to think about too. agree. Let's move on to the final. This is kind of a weird sell high. But this is mine. This is what I. This is what I'm interested in. I'm selling high on every single person on the Pacers, not named Miles Turner. Oh come on! Out. Oh, everybody is playing really, really well in Indiana, but they're not winning games. So that's kind of. I, I think that's kind of comical. But when Miles Turner comes back, the best players on this team. Well, one, Malcolm Brogdon is playing out of his mind, and we do think that reverts a little bit. Uh, he's definitely, you know, taking a, a move up from what he was last year, but to be, you know, a top 15 player, that's, that's obviously not going to sustain, but Sabonis is definitely always takes a hit when he plays with Turner and you got TJ Warren, who's uh, playing a little bit more of the four. Well, he won't be playing much of the four. Sabonis is at the four. Jeremy Lamb, who is, I think, you know, very solid player. Some of the, that usage goes down for Jeremy Lamb. Everybody on like everybody I just mentioned who are top 100 players actually re-entered stel- standard league relevant players on the Indiana Pacers. They're all overrated, and once Turner comes back, I think all of their possessions, all their usage goes down a- at least somewhat enough to mess up their current rankings to lower their current usage. And you know, I think when Turner comes in the game, they'll play worse together. So. Everybody on the Pacers, I'd say sell high, sell high on them. N- none of these guys I, I particularly love. Oh, uh, fair, fair. I mean, it's a fair thing to say, but the question, I guess, is, you know, for a couple of these players, you know, how high can you sell them, right? Because you mentioned it. Like, I was like Malcolm Brogdon, he's doing things we've never seen him do. So, you know, he was drafted, you know, wherever he was drafted in your league, right? Probably somewhere in the 50s, 60s range, I would guess. He's performing like a top 15 player. But what if he's now a top 40 player? Still getting value. But but I don't think anyone's buying him at the price of a second round player. So now so now 
you know, if you can only sell him for somebody in the top 40 and he's a top 40 player, like, aren't you just trading an apple for a peach? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're trading two things that are both a fruit. Like they're both the same. So, you know, maybe you got like Brogdon, you can't really sell him high because no one's going to super believe in his value. And I got, you know, I can bring up some stats that will tell you that he got off to a super, really super hot start. And then he's cooled off pretty mightily. Like, you know, you look at the last uh, seven games, he's only averaging seven assists a game. He's averaging 0.9 steals, five rebounds and, and 20 points. And, you know, he's not shooting that well from three. Whereas, you know, he had, he had over 10 assists a game in each of the first four games. And he had, you know, a big 30 point night in there. And, you know, a lot of crazy stats, like he can splice his line. He's very inconsistent, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. Game to game. Like he, he has some really good rebound games and he has some good scoring games, you know? Yeah. So I would sell Brogdon. I'm with you on that part. If I could sell him for a top 30 or 40 player, sure. That's, that's fine. But I do think that he's probably a little bit better than what we drafted him at. So if you're selling him for his draft day value, you know, you might be screwing yourself a little bit. I kind of, I mean, I don't, I certainly don't mind you hanging on to a guy that you got a great deal on. And so you're, you know, you're maybe your guards are stacked now. You got Malcolm Brogdon super late. It was like the Pascal Siakam thing last year. You know what I'm saying? Like you could have sold Pascal Siakam, but was anyone buying him for even at his value when he, you know, first started having that breakout last year? I'm not sure anyone was. So, you know what I mean? Like if you sold him, you were probably selling him lower than his actual value and actually kind of hurting your t- own team, which is weird and to this say. Be, this might become one of those at value ones that we were talking about in the buy buy high to buy at value for Malcolm Brogdon. I actually think whoever own, whoever rosters Malcolm Brogdon currently is going to ask for too much. And I think if you try to sell Malcolm Brogdon, weirdly, they you probably won't get enough. And so he's in this weird no man's land, which is why I'd still suggest if you could sell him at his current value, please do like get something nice in that, in that top 20, top 25 back from Malcolm Brogdon Problem is, all, hold on, hold on. All these Indiana play, all these Indiana Pacer players don't have any name recognition. Nobody cares about TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, Dante Sabonis. So it might be hard to sell any of them. We talked about this a lot too, you know, that there's just certain teams and the Pacers are usually one of them where, their players always go for a little less than they should, like weirdly, you know, for whatever reason, like they just never quite get the the recognition they should. And it's because they're in a smaller market and all that stuff. Um, so, so there's that factor of it too. I think where you sell a guy like Brogdon and maybe where you sell a guy like Sabonis is you find the team in your league that needs rebounds in Sabonis's case, right? And you find the team in your league that needs assists in, in Brogdon's case. And you say, I've got a gem here, right? I've got one of the top guys in the league in this category. And that's where you can maybe get the home run value is you're trading him to a team that's needy in, you know, their best kind of category. And then, you know, you sell it with the, you know, this comes with 20 points and good percentages and, you know, this and this and this and this. And, you know, that's really where I think you make your most hay. Now you're right, 100% right. Now's the time to do it because Turner is coming back. I think just finding that you know big buy the big sell high is going to be very difficult because i just don't know that like you mentioned no name value people are probably like oh malcolm brogdon can't keep this up you know all that stuff i agree um that's why i'm so low on all these pacers if you can if it is possible and it might not be it depends on your league depends on how active people are depends on what they 
value in a league. But uh, I like honestly, to, I'd like to play a little game with with Mr. Malcolm Brogdon if it, if you'd like. It. Let's do it. Uh, let's look at some point guards or maybe just guards in general, and we'll go. Would you rather have Brogdon or let's see here? First name on the list: D'Angelo Russell. Ooh, I I oof, that's a really good start to that list. Uh, I actually might have to uh, think about it for a second because, man. D'Angelo is gonna carry is gonna have to carry that team. He's gonna get plenty of um plenty of reps there. In, elite, uh, you're talking elite points, elite threes, and yeah. you know, some some very good assists. Like I think he's gonna be in that six to seven range. I think, I think I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Russell, but I you know, I, I, I think it's that's where I'd like to begin. Yeah. Okay, fair, fair. Next guy on the list, we will go Mr. Ricky Rubio, getting a ton of assists again. Yes, he is. I'm in um, Roto League, so I think I'm going to go with Brogdon. But if you're in a head to head league, I can see where Brogdon and Rubio start to, uh, their, their values start to uh, get a lot closer together. But I'm going to go with Brogdon. You know, I brought up Rubio to bring up maybe this point. Rubio is another guy where, you know, you could maybe sell somebody on going, okay, I'll give you Brogdon. You give me Rubio and an okay big man. And then you really make the value on Rubio and Brogdon really aren't that different. Rubio is obviously not going to shoot that good of a field goal percentage, but a lot of the other stats, you know, are going to be fairly similar. And, and Rubio is actually scoring a little bit more, which is nice this year, right? Um, he's going to do a lot of the same and he's going to get more steals. And then you make it up. You make a little extra value by, you know, grabbing a big man that's in that, you know, kind of 60, 70 range. You know, we talk about a lot of, of big men in that range. Um, maybe you grab one of those guys and you kind of get the home run value that way. So that's something to think about too. Um, okay, other guys here. Fred Van Vliet. Well, Fred Van Vliet is having a very, very nice season as well, kind of in the same way Malcolm Brogdon is, except for Malcolm Brogdon is the starting point guard on his team. And so Fred Van Vliet is not once Kyle Lowry comes back. So I'm going to go with Brogdon. I mean, Van Vliet, even with Lowry in the lineup, was averaging like seven assists a game. So, you know, sure. that's it. It's another guy, too, that I think some people haven't come all the way around to on yet is Van Vliet. He's very good. He's like, honestly, he's going to do a lot of what Malcolm Brogdon does. Like, he's going to be, it's going to be very similar stat lines. Except for I, I just think Brogdon is a little bit better. Oh, I, I, I'm going to honestly buy, buy high on Van Vliet in the sense that he's performing well. But I think all this is real. And I think a lot of people don't think that it is. And so there's a guy you could probably buy a little bit high on. Okay, I got two more names I want to ask you on this list. Uh, first one, Mr. Jamal Murray. Ooh, I want the assist, so give me Brogdon. It's fair. Murray not having a great start um, in the sense that he's not assisting the ball that much. But I think Murray's, you know, just fine. And so, but I will agree with you. Brogdon is probably ranked higher because Murray's probably in that, you know, 50 to 60 range. And I think Brogdon's probably in that top 40 now. So there's there's a there's that one. Okay, Shea Gilgis Alexander averaging over twenty points a game. You know what? You're you're bringing up a very good point with this list. Is that there is there's a lot of very very interesting good guards out there now. When in the in the past there really there really weren't the uh, the, the emergence of you know Brogdon Van Fleet etc has been a, a very nice addition to the lack of uh, of guards, especially guards that get assists. Because that was rare, few and far between. Man, Gilgis Alexander is also one of those guys that I, I like the counting stats from him a lot. I, I Like I said, the assists are still rare. I think I'm going to go Brogdon, but it's not by much. 
there's a path for Gilgis Alexander to be, you know, that guy who gets you like one and a half steals and a block this year, you know, playing 35 minutes a game. He's not getting those steals and blocks yet, but I think he proved last year that he can get them. And we talk about those stats kind of being finicky and a lot of times coming in clusters. If he can get that, I think he actually shoots above Malcolm Brogdon, even with Malcolm Brogdon's really good assist number. So uh, Gilgis Alexander is a guy that, you know, he's performing exceptionally well. I think all the scoring and, and those things are real. I think the rebounds are real. I think there's a potential that those steals and blocks numbers go up and he kind of vaults quickly into that top 40. And so as someone that maybe, again, you can buy low on a little bit because people aren't seeing those steal and block numbers, even though he's averaging 20 points a game for the first time ever. I agree. Gildress is like, man, I, li- I like him a lot. I think he's going to be great. He's- Actually, you know, maybe even a buy low guy. Uh, I think he's he's currently rate, rated lower than he should be. But yeah, I, I like I like all those guys. They're all pretty good. It's a good time to be a basketball fan, I think. This is a great season so far. It's been only four weeks. It's only week four, Tyler. It's been a very, very good season. And if you like the show, everybody, please rate and review us on whatever you're listening to. Or check out patreon.com slash watching the boxes where you can get exclusive content um, and help support the show or go to draft.com my favorite daily fantasy basketball site where you're actually drafting against other people in a uh, in a mock Uh, it's not a mock actually it's a real snake draft so every team is different if you use the promo code h t b b as in boy hashtag basketball you will get a free entry to your first draft on draft.com tyler where can people find you on twitter he did the B. Why didn't you do the H and the T? I was interested to hear what your H word was and your B word or your T word was. Uh, you gave I got a B. lot of I got a lot H words. <laughs> I got a lot of T words. I got a lot of B words. Uh, not not too many of them could be said on air. Oh, okay, fair. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler B Watts. You can find me at Watch the Boxes. If you want to get a hold of us, hit us up on Twitter, and we'll see you next time.